Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I am this guy. This episode, this podcast is devoted to the movies, to one of the ultimate forms of escape and entertainment. Now, this subject for me is near and dear to my heart. I love the movies. I love watching movies. I love getting lost in movies. I love going to the movies. I've seen more movies than I care to remember. (laughs) I wouldn't say all of them, but there are many that were completely unforgettable. One that comes to mind is called The Deep End. Terrible movie. I wanted to do this because of my love for movies. And when I first came up with this subject matter, I thought, okay, this is going to be pretty easy. I'm going to be able to, you know, speak about some movies, give my opinion. I could bust it out in a matter of, you know, an hour and move forward. This has been by far the most difficult subject that I could have ever put on myself because of the emotional attachment that I have to movies into the big screen. I can recall the exact moment when I fell in love with movies. I remember it was summertime. I was about six and a half. I remember it vividly. There was a huge crowd. There was a buzz. There was an energy. It was packed. I remember standing in line. I remember this excitement, just this pure excitement to be part of this, this event. I get my popcorn. I was with my stepmother, Janet. She was amazing. Janet, if you ever hear this, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, my popcorn, I, I sat down, and I remember just looking at the screen. Now I'm going to backtrack. Growing up, my grandparents, I was very fortunate. They raised me in the theater. So they had tickets to the Masonic Temple and the Fisher Theater. They had season tickets. So I was always very fortunate to be able to go. And I remember, you know, my first play ever was Annie. And I think that was my first crush, too, if I'm being honest. But I remember being taken over by Yul Brenner in The King and I. Seeing him live and feeling the way that he commanded that room and his performance, he was just, it was electric. Just thinking about it gives me chills. It was amazing. And that was when I knew that entertainment and performance, I just gravitated towards it. And I was maybe five at the time, five or six. So this is right before my movie experience. So I'm in the theater, I'm looking at the screen, I'm eating my popcorn, the place is filled, not an empty seat in the place. And all of a sudden, I hear this. right now gets me so fired up. I have such an amazing energy. To this day, every time I hear that opening, no matter the movie, it takes me back to that first time. And it brings this excitement and this energy that just, it just makes me happy. And to top it off, my first movie ever that I recall really taking over who I was and just making me feel fully immersed in it and part of it was Empire Strikes Back. So that was a pretty awesome first start. I remember I just, I never stopped looking at that screen until the credits. And even then I I was kind of in shock. It was such a I mean, I hate to sound dramatic, but it was such a life-changing moment for me. I I just, 
I saw the world differently after that. And that's where the love of movies began for me. I've become, a, a quite frankly, I've become an ass. <laughs> I've become kind of a jerk when it comes to uh, movies. You used to go to the movies and it used to be just spectacular. The energy, the excitement, the people. There's something so special about sharing space with, you know, strangers on a ride that none of us really know where we're going, but we're sharing it together. And we've agreed to do it. Some of us might know more about what we're getting into than others. But sometimes none of us know anything and we're just going in blind and then we come out different. And and that was always sort of the fun part of it. I remember going to movies, The Midnight Show. I did that quite often growing up. Movies were an escape. They were an excitement. They were a friend. They have taught us so many different things. And, And they channel emotions we didn't even know. They hit topics that maybe taboo or not, you know, comfortable to speak about things that, you know, you may have wondered, but didn't know where to find the answers. Humor, humor to an extreme. Uh, I I almost got kicked out of a movie theater. This is a true story. Seeing um, Dumb and Dumber. I could not handle that movie. I was not capable of handling that movie for the first time in the movie theater. And I remember an usher coming up to me. Mind you, I was on a date. That poor girl, she must have been so embarrassed now that I think back. <laughs> I, I was on a date and the usher came up to me and was like, sir, you gotta just tone it down or I'm gonna have to kick you out. And now that I think back to it, I mean, first of all, that's ridiculous. Like, really, Eric? But the other aspect of that is that movie, just thinking about it as ridiculous as it, you know, it is, you can hear my smile because it was just such a, oh my God, there's just, it just, what a, what a fantastic memory in the weirdest way, right? So when I get into movies or when I'm looking into seeing a movie, there's certain things that I look into. Obviously I look into Who's in it? Who's the star, co-stars, top to bottom? Because one or two actors, no matter their part, can really tell you what the script is going to be. Obviously, the director is a huge hint. And depending upon how bad I want to see it or what the subject matter is, I might watch a trailer or I might just kind of go in blind and, you know, let the movie unfold as it happens. I also, one of the other things that I do now with movies or that I started doing, you know, probably about 20 years ago because I'm old enough now to do this is I see if that movie had the ability to maintain. If it has the the strength, the story, because if you think about certain movies, they may be good in their era but they're not necessarily going to carry through to 2020, right? I, I look at movies like that. I look at movies from when I was a child. Now, I have made the mistake in the past, and just recently because of what we're dealing with, I've watched some movies that I grew up with that, you know, were monumental, quote-unquote, movies growing up, and they've lost their allure. And I regret it, but that's okay. That's that's. I'm glad I did it because now I won't do it ever again. I'm just going to leave certain movies where they are, and that's the exact point. So certain movies just have to stay, and certain movies can carry on. And that's a great test of a fantastic or a legitimate movie. When I was preparing for this podcast, I came up with a bunch of different lists. I had six in total. Let me say that right off the bat. And my goal was to take one list 
and kind of feed off the other six well, the other five and kind of see if movies were, you know, the same movies were on all the lists and how many and I, I made this way too difficult. And I realized with this subject, you can't do that. And I want to thank uh, my girlfriend for that because she saw that I was spinning myself, that I was adding too much pressure and stress unnecessarily for this. And she said, Eric, it's just too broad. You gotta, you gotta minimize it. So thank you, honey. You were absolutely correct. So I'm making this on the record. (laughs) So what I did to minimize this and make this more, more compact was I went on the AFI, the American Film Institute's website, The neat thing about AFI.com is that they have a bunch of different lists. You know, top 100 this, top 100 that, you know, top 10, 10. When you look on the website, you'll see what I mean by the 10, 10. So I chose AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition. And that's the most updated movie list of the top 100 movies in the first 100 years as far as AFI is concerned. Now, there are a couple things to note. One, this movie list only goes to 2007. So 2008 on till now, there's nothing. Okay, so that's one. Two, the 100 movies that they chose I'm kind of suspect on them. And I am keeping in mind, you know, 2007 and and back. But still, there's some that, you know, I just question. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to discuss their top 10 from the 100, okay? Then I'm going to give my personal list from the 100 of my top 10. And at the end... I'm going to give an email address that I would love to have everyone participate in. I'm going to have you go on AFI.com, go under this exact list, AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition, and you choose what you think your top 10 from this list is, and I'm going to have you email it to me. I'll set a date. And I'll do a follow-up show, and we could discuss, well, I could discuss all of your submissions. So I think that'll be fun. I'm going to start with 10 and work my way down to number one. So according to AFI.com, 100 years, 100 movies, 10th anniversary edition, their number 10 all-time movie is The Wizard of Oz. So the Wizard of Oz, a tornado rips through Kansas. Dorothy and her dog Toto are whisked away in their house to the magical land of Oz. That in itself is the story. The Wizard of Oz is definitely an American classic. I'm sure that everybody listening has either seen it, heard of it, or both. It has, according to AFI, the number one song from a movie of all time, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Beautiful song, I love that song. But, I'm just gonna say it, (laughs) I'm just gonna be honest. It's, it kinda creeped me out for a little bit during my life. I'm not really sure if it was the Wicked Witch of the West, or if it was the Flying Monkeys. I'm not sure. Now I could say, with all honesty, that I have no problem with monkeys, And I have no problem with witches. Although I've never really dealt with a witch. Well, that's not necessarily true, but I'll leave that at that. So, yeah, it always kind of creeped me out. But I, I think, I'm not sure it still has the power it should. Meaning, I don't know if it should be number 10. So I'm starting right off the bat with a little bit of, uh, not really 
cool with Wizard of Oz being number 10. Maybe top 20, but 10, not so much. Okay, number nine, Vertigo. So Vertigo is about an ex-cop who suffers from, you know, an intense fear of heights. And he's hired to prevent an old friend's wife from committing suicide. Now, I'm just going to take ownership of this. I tried to watch this movie. I tried. And the acting was just too corny. And I was pretty bored right off the bat. So I can't give it an honest, you know, opinion. I'm just going to have to say I'm questioning this at number nine. (laughs) So right out the gate, 10 and 9, I'm saying absolutely not. But, you know, who am I? Okay, so number eight. Number eight is a heavy one. And that's Schindler's List. I, I could not watch this movie when it first came out. I don't think I was emotionally available. I had relatives who were in these camps. And I just, it was too personal to me. So I had to wait. I ended up getting the DVD for the 20th anniversary of the release of the movie. It was released in 1993. So 20 years later, I I felt I was ready and I watched the movie. Now I will say two things about this movie. One, I think every single human being on planet Earth should watch this movie. And two, I've only seen it once and that was enough. So the movie is about a businessman, Oscar Schindler, who arrives in Poland. He joins the Nazi party for financial gains, basically. And he staffs his factory with uh, Jewish workers as the SS is simultaneously exterminating the Jews. Schindler arranges a way for the workers to be protected, and he saved 1,100 Jews. And the best part, I know that sounds so weird saying that about this movie, but the best part is that it's a true story and that he truly did save lives. So yes, Schindler's List, I believe, should be in the top 10, absolutely. Perhaps even higher than eight, but it is deserving of the top 10 list. Sorry about getting heavy. We're going through the movies, there it is. Number seven, (laughs) I just don't get it. I'm not, I'm just not a fan at all of this movie, Lawrence of Arabia. This is another movie, along with Vertigo, where I tried, I legitimately tried to watch it, and it was just 12 minutes shy of four hours, and there was just no way I was going to be able to make it. I just was bored pretty early into it, and I just knew I never could recover. So I just, I hate to admit it, but I couldn't do it. So I know, terrible. I'm reviewing movies and I couldn't even finish them. Nice. So this is about a British lieutenant who's sent to Arabia to find a prince and serve as a liaison between the Arabs and the British Uh, in their fight against the Turks. And there's more to it, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it's got a hell of a cast. You get Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Omar Sharif, which he will always be the spy in top secret to me. (laughs) So Lawrence of Arabia, number seven, no. So right now I've already questioned number 10, number nine, Number seven, let's go to number six. Number six, Gone with the Wind. This is by far, oh, I'm I'm so sorry for those who love this movie. I apologize ahead of time for this, but this is by far one of the most overrated movies ever. That's right, I'll say it again, ever. I'm sorry, 
talk about another one. This is two minutes short of four hours. Like what? Absolutely not. There's no way. I tried. I tried. But it was just... <laughs> Ready for the corny dad joke of the night? This movie, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. But I'll stay true to the format. This is definitely an epic Civil War drama that focuses on a Southern Belle by the name of Scarlett O'Hara. Everybody knows that name, right? It traces her survival through the tragic history of the South during the Civil War and the Reconstruction and her love affairs with two different people. So maybe it's set for a certain demographic. So (laughs) let's recap. Ten, no. Nine, no. Seven, no. Six, absolutely not. And eight should be higher. That's where we're at so far. Coming in at number five. Spoiler alert, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, singing in the rain. Fun fact, I always wanted to be Gene Kelly. (laughs) I wanted to learn how to tap dance like Gene Kelly. I wanted to meet Gene Kelly. I, I love Gene Kelly. To this day, I love Gene Kelly. He was just magnificent to me. Is magnificent to me. The way he danced, it looked like he literally was just floating across the screen. He just, he had such a cool presence, man. Gene Kelly is awesome. That's it. I'm I'm stepping off the Gene Kelly soapbox. I'm just saying. Gene Kelly's my man. So, Singing in the Rain. This is a movie about the transition of silent films to quote-unquote talkies in how everyone is having trouble adapting. The two stars of the silent films have been a romantic couple for a ton of movies, but now that they've become quote-unquote talkies, the female lead's voice, it's just a a high-pitched mess. And there is part of the underlying story of Singing in the Rain. It has some of the best music of any movie ever. It's just a feel-good movie. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's... I love that damn movie. (laughs) All right, so I gotta stop. Singing in the Rain, number five. Absolutely top five. No arguments for that. Number four. This... I'm, I'm just gonna say it. I was quite surprised by this movie being number four. Raging Bull. Don't get me wrong, this movie's great. It's powerful. It's raw. It does affect you. This is another one that I don't know if it's top 10, but like Wizard of Oz, I could see top 20. But top 10, I don't know. This is Scorsese, so that should tell you what kind of class of movie this is. This is a the story of a middleweight boxer as he rises, you know, through the ranks to his first shot at a middleweight crown. And then it just shows how he's unable to express his feelings. Eventually his life just becomes a downward spiral and everything just pretty much goes to hell from there. Now that's just a little basic summary, but it's one of those movies where everyone should see it, I think. It's it's a it's a great movie, but I don't know. Top 10 is... That's a bold, bold... And number 4, no less? That's a bold placement. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, I don't know. Raging Bull's good. Number 4... I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back around. Okay, but I will say... <laughs> I sound like a pretty rough critic right now because so far I've questioned 10 9 7 6 4 3 I'm not questioning Raging Bull per se I'm just questioning its ranking even if it's in the top 10 let's say it's in the top 10 there's no way in hell it should be number 4 
That's all I'm saying. Number three, Casablanca. You can hear by my tone that this movie, this movie is so popular and so famous, it's unbelievable. This is another movie that I tried and I just, I couldn't do it. Now, it sounds like every old movie, I'm a hater. I'm not though, because there were a few movies that I watched older movies that I watched for this particular podcast that I enjoyed immensely. One was On the Waterfront. That movie is fantastic. Marlon Brando is awesome in that movie. The story is is just honest, it's true, it's it's raw. I mean, you feel it. I'm still thinking about that movie and I watched it a week and a half ago. For the first time. Powerful movie. But anyway, let's get back to number three, Casablanca. This is about Rick Blaine. He owns a nightclub in Casablanca. And he discovers an old flame is in town with her husband. Now, the husband is known to be a rebel. And the Germans are on his tail. So his ex knows that Rick can help them get out of the country and get away. So that's really what this movie is about. I tried, but I think I've become too harsh of a critic with movies that the older movies, the acting was a little more, hey, and no, that's that's not the right, (laughs) whatever that sound was, there it is. Uh, It's a little too, it's a little too cheesy. And I think the acting has gotten better over the years to where it's more, there's more of a honesty to it. Like Brando was honest in that role that I just mentioned on the waterfront. That was an honest role. That was a, that was just, that was awesome. But some of these movies are just, I think that they, the flame's still burning just because of nostalgia. I don't think that some of these movies deserve the credit they get. I just think that people don't want to let it go. So they have to just keep the light burning. Personal opinion, there it is. So Casablanca, okay, fine. Number three, I'll be honest. I mentioned earlier about the six lists. Casablanca was on four of them. Maybe I'm just a hater of Casablanca. (laughs) I'm taking ownership of that one. Number two, The Godfather. Okay. If I need to explain what The Godfather is to you, then you need to just stop listening to this podcast altogether and live your best life. It's The Godfather. (laughs) I mean, the name alone kind of gives it away. Just think Italian-American crime family, Don Vito Corleone, Mafia, Godfather. That's it. Number two, um, this could possibly be number one, but number two, it's deserving. Yeah, it's, it's, I think Godfather 2 is just as awesome, possibly better than The Godfather, but I mean, you wouldn't have a two without a one, so I always found that a hard argument to have. The Godfather, yes, that, that belongs there. I'll give that as absolutely. Number one. AFI 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition. Drum roll. That is not a drum. Drum roll. That sounds terrible. Number one, Citizen Kane. Now, before I go any further with Citizen Kane, I want to say that a lot of the lists that I chose initially had Citizen Kane and The Godfather going back and forth. Some had Godfather as one, Kane as two, and vice versa. I will say that The Godfather was on every list. Citizen Kane was not. This is a toss-up as far as the critics are concerned, right? 
Citizen Kane. This was a movie that I had never watched prior to this this podcast. I, I'm going to call myself out right now. My whole life, I always heard Rosebud, right? I even used it. I don't even know if I used it properly in jokes or in comments throughout my life. But I never knew what it was about. I knew it was Citizen Kane. Everybody knows it's Citizen Kane. But until I saw this movie last week, I had no idea what it really meant. So Citizen Kane is about a reporter who's assigned to decipher a newspaper magnate's dying words. Spoiler alert, the dying word or words are Rosebud. And it's kind of neat to watch how the movie goes through this, these gradual steps to find out the origin or the possible origin of Rosebud. Orson Welles played the magnate, Charles Foster Kane. He was 25 at the time. He wrote it, directed it, starred in it. Well, he was a co-writer, I should say. It was 1941. He was completely ahead of his time. The way he did the lighting, and it was black and white, which was even more impressive. The shadows, the his acting was phenomenal. The co-stars were fantastic. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. I was pleasantly surprised. Number one, eh, I mean... I'll give it top 10 because of what it represents. And I know for a fact that anybody in the movie business has somehow used some of the techniques that Orson created for this movie. It's definitely ahead of its time in that regard. Number one, um, I don't know. Number one, though, I I don't know, maybe. I would love to pick the brain of, like, Spielberg or Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, Tarantino, any of those directors. Robert Zemeckis, I could go all day, I'll stop. I would love to pick their brain and see how they truly feel about Citizen Kane. I by no means am bothered by the fact that I watched this movie. I will say that I'm glad that I finally know what Rosebud is and the the meaning behind it. I'm glad that the movie, you know, it lived up to what the hype was overall. You have to take into account the, the time that it was made and things like that. So, that is AFI's top 10 100 years 100 movies 10th anniversary edition (laughs) so let me recap number 10 wizard of oz number nine vertigo number eight schindler's list number seven lawrence of arabia number six gone with the wind number five singing in the rain number four raging bull number three casablanca Number two, The Godfather. Number one, Citizen Kane. Now we have their top ten. Now let's get down to my top ten. Before I go any further, I want to say this right off the bat. I'm going to name the ten movies from this list of 100 But I'm also going to throw a few honorable mentions in there. Also, from my list, they are in no particular order because, quite frankly, I couldn't do it. I couldn't put them in a specific order. I just don't think that would be fair to me. (laughs) I just couldn't do it. I tried. I tried a couple times. Out of the... 100 movies I initially wrote down 22 and then I broke it down to 10 
this was so difficult. And I went back and forth on a few of them multiple times. And this is where I'd like you to join me. If you have a pen handy, or if you can text this to yourself or take a note, take down this uh, email. It's ideas, I-D-E-A-S, at IamThisGuy.com. So what I want you to do is, in the subject line, put my list, and then just give me your top 10 movies from AFI's website. So go to AFI.com, go under the 100 years, 100 movies list, and email me your top 10 from that list. And if I get enough feedback, I'll do a follow-up to this episode, and we'll have some fun with that one. So I hope to hear from you. Once again, ideas at IamTheSky.com, subject line, my list, AFI.com, 100 years, 100 movies list. Give me your top 10. All right, here we go. Eric's top 10 in no particular order. (laughs) I'm not even going to number them. I'm just going to say them. I can't emphasize that enough. No real order. I'm just doing this numerically to make it easier. Number 10, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. I chose this movie for multiple reasons. One, I rewatched this movie over the weekend to make sure that I wanted to put this movie, which in essence, the trilogy, because I don't count the Hobbit movies. I'm sorry for the Hobbit fan movies, but for the original three, I wanted to make sure that it deserved to be in the top 10. This movie has so many layers in so much. I mean, it has pageantry, it has story, it has honesty, it has friendship, it has hope, it has decency, unity, emotion, love. This movie, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. So, number 10, but not really number 10, put it where you want, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Number 9, The Shawshank Redemption. Automatically, when you heard that name, you felt something, you remembered something, something was triggered. That's what this movie does to you. One, I think, because for a long period of time, it seemed like it was always on cable, but also because... It is the ultimate story of friendship and hope in one of the most dire scenarios possible. And it's such a beautiful story. It's such a beautiful movie. And the real rawness and emotion that carries it throughout is just a beautiful, beautiful ride. So Shawshank deserves to be, in my opinion, even though we've seen it multiple times but that's what makes it a great movie like i said earlier right if you can continue to watch it and it stands the test of time then it's something special so shawshank redemption is on my list for one of the top 10 movies 100 years list number eight that should be funny and say schindler's list because <laughs> i complained i was number eight on the other list i'll make it number eight for this list too why not I'm not going to get into Schindler's List again, but it's definitely top 10. Number seven, Rocky. I had to put Rocky on there. I thought so much about this movie, whether to put it on or not. And when it's all said and done, Rocky needs to be on there. Rocky is one of the most ultimate underdog movies ever. Rising from nothing. Oh, I almost did Eye of the Tiger by accident to become the pinnacle to go down to nothing i mean it's such a rise and fall it's rocky that's all there's nothing more to say number six forrest gump forrest gump changed the game in a lot of ways robert zemeckis made a masterpiece with forrest gump it was a movie like no other it was mesmerizing 
in the way that he took old film and then incorporated Forrest, Tom Hanks, into it was just spectacular. And the outlandish storyline that somehow made sense, that in itself was amazing. That movie, I mean, it changed shrimp for everyone. <laughs> I, eh, there's just so much. Lieutenant Dan, Bubba, the name Jenny has never been the same since. I mean, a box of chocolate. There's so much. I mean, we know it's Forrest Gump. So Forrest Gump is in the top 10. Number five, Star Wars, A New Hope, which to me and to many of us is the original Star Wars, is single-handedly one of the greatest movies, not because of story, not because of Star Wars lore. It was just a game changer on so many levels. The way that Lucas created this whole galaxy in this whole way of life he changed he transformed everything and you know if you think about it it's all about a rescue mission from a kidnapped princess and trying to restore freedom and justice to the galaxy i mean just think about that that's like hell yeah i'm all in <laughs> i mean it's star wars man that i i don't know if i'm a considered a full nerd but I take complete ownership of my nerdism or my nerddom, nerddom, nerddom. I'm not, that's not even a word. I'm taking full ownership of my nerdiness when it comes to Star Wars. The original, well, the first three. After that, it's a whole different podcast and I'm not going there. Number four, (laughs) I had to put it on there because I, I'm not going to get into it because you heard my happiness with the first round. But I I definitely had to put Singing in the Rain on there. Number three, Pulp Fiction. The buzz surrounding this movie from the minute it was released to this day is one of the most iconic things I've ever been a part of. This movie was, I mean, it's all about, you know, two hitmen that are trying to retrieve a suitcase stolen from their employer. That's really what it's about. The storyline is interwoven with, you know, their boss, the boss's wife, a struggling boxer, a fixer, and a couple of nervous armed robbers. Now, if I'm pitching that to you, how the hell do you make that a movie? And how in the hell you sell a movie studio on letting you make that movie (laughs) and there's so many amazing cameos in that movie i mean the one that sticks out easily for me would have to be christopher walken (laughs) that scene is one of the most iconic scenes in a movie ever that whole movie is just pure genius tarantino I love his work. I love it all. This movie is still one of the greatest movies ever, easily. And that's why it made my list for top 10. Number, what do we have? Number two. Number two, Silence of the Lambs. This is going to sound so twisted, but this is one of my all time favorite movies ever. Hannibal Lecter. There was nothing more fascinating than an intellectual psychopath who's completely violent, but, you know, civil, such a fascinating character study. And the way that they had a top student from the FBI training academy try to go at this brilliant psychiatrist and you know, manipulate him when the whole time he was in complete control, that that whole psychological aspect on top of the sadistic violence of the other case, it was a symphony of just pure thriller and horror mixed together. 
it's still to this day one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, it's spectacular. That is an amazing movie. It's heavy, though. And it's intense, and it's edge of your seat. So, I'm giving you a, a fair warning right now. If you've never seen it, I don't know how you haven't, but if you haven't, just be ready, because it's, it's a hell of a ride. Number one on my list of AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary, number one, in no particular order, Goodfellas. I had to put Goodfellas on this list. Fun fact, I worked as a usher at a movie theater in high school, and we used to get a half-hour break during our shifts. And when this movie was out, I would always take my break during this movie. And the movie's like two and a half hours long. So every shift, I would take it at the beginning, and then, you know, boom, boom, boom. I timed it out. So I saw over a week... I saw the whole movie, and then on my day off, I watched the whole movie in its entirety. True story, the picture that Joe Pesci's character, you know, mom's character, she painted of the man on the boat with the two dogs, I had that remade in the same old blue wooden frame, like the movie. And it's hung in my place as like an homage to Goodfellas. So there was no way that I wasn't putting this movie on the list. Just saying. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Scorsese just... This should be number four instead of Raging Bull on that other list. Just throwing that out there. But the reason I chose all these movies is that test that I spoke of. Can these movies maintain the test of time? And I say pound for pound, every movie that I mentioned could and has done that. Now, there was only 10, but there's a ton of honorable mentions. My honorable mentions list consists of the most recent one I watched, which was On the Waterfront. E.T., To Kill a Mockingbird, Raiders of the Lost Ark, another one, West Side Story. I just have to say one word, one name, and you're going to start singing, Maria. Sorry, not sorry. Another one, Jaws. How many kids were afraid to even swim in a pool for a while after that movie? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I loved that movie. I still love that movie. That was a great movie. I really fought putting this one on there, but I thought I'd get too much shit for it, so I didn't. Titanic. Titanic is the movie that nobody wants to admit, but everybody loves, including me. If that movie's on, I may not watch the whole thing, but I'm putting at least, at least an hour into it. And I've seen that movie more times than I can literally count. But I'm in it. I'm always in it. The French Connection with Gene Hackman, that movie is awesome. Do the Right Thing is a movie that I feel like everybody should also see. Spike Lee, man, that's... I remember going to the movie theater and seeing that movie. And it just made me think differently. It still does. That was a impactful movie. Do the right thing, Spike Lee. This is my last real movie. And it's not because I hate it. I actually love it. I will say that I did not watch the fourth one, but I will. I think I'm going to just re-watch them all and binge watch it. But the original Toy Story is in the top 100. I love animated movies. Toy Story is not... It's not that it's bad, it's fantastic. But I don't see it in the top 100. Another one that was in the top 100 was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That was ranked 34th. Like, wait, what? I mean, it's Snow White, but 34? In the top 100? Hold on. Pump the brakes. Hello. Um, 
Beauty and the Beast. Hello? Hello? How is that not in the top 100? Fun fact, by the way, about Beauty and the Beast. It was the last Disney movie that was completely hand-drawn. So think about that scene in the ballroom when they're dancing. And Be Our Guest. Think about that scene. That was all hand-drawn. That's just mind-blowing in itself. Hell, it should be on the list just for that fact. Toy Story and Snow White in the top 100. Mm, I don't know about all that. But there it is. So that, everyone, is officially my breakdown of the AFI 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition list. Let me also remind you that I'd love to hear from you about your list. So please email me at ideas at IamThisGuy.com, subject line, my list, go to AFI.com. Look up this list, 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition, (laughs) and give me your 10. Send me your 10. I'd love to know what you think. And if I get enough feedback, I'm going to revisit this episode, and we'll do a new episode together. And I'll take all of your uh, input. I'll give everyone a shout-out that contributes. I also want to thank my sponsor. I officially have a sponsor, everyone. I'd like to thank The Geek Garden. You can check out thegeekgarden.com. It's a pretty neat setup. It's a vertical gardening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care of yourself. Be well, be safe. And remember, I am this guy.